and welcome to the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and I am an aspiring filmmaker living in Copenhagen, Denmark. In between making short films, writing screenplays, and unsuccessfully looking for jobs, I do this podcast. Each episode, we discuss one particular film. Today, I am joined by my older brother, Adam. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Adam, what scares you? Oh, God, everything. I'm driven by fear. Um, not a big fan of flying. I'll give you that. I don't think most people these days are a fan no. of flying. No, well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite frightening. Um, you know, little tube full of, you know, fat people fl- hurtling through the air full of aviation fuel and people's shit. Um, Remember the George Carlin? Oh, yeah, the, wonderful, wonderful sketch. Um, and breathe normally. Yes, exactly. Um, I, that I don't like. I really don't like big rats. Oh, you had one in Venice. That yeah, yes. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was in Venice, and uh, I mean, I knew I was scared of them before that because in Basil the Great Mouse Detective, Ratigan, oh, Radigan, he's yeah, crap that's really me. scary. Anyway, yeah, I was in as well. The bat I was in Venice, the me more. and uh, I was walking through this alleyway, and suddenly this rat, the size of a fucking cat, just appears out of a crevice in the wall or something yeah. and it's just me and it in this tiny little alley between two buildings um, and it sees me and just totally loses its bananas it's like running in circles like running across my feet I'm just like <laughs> frozen to the <laughs> spot yeah. it tries to go into a hole it's too fat this just makes it more confused finally it tears like a greased weasel through my legs and out the other side of the alley and I just Traumatized, <laughs> walks, walks back to the hotel. It was awful, very yeah, awful. So yeah, don't like big rats. Don't. I tell you what else I don't like. I don't like swimming in really deep water. Ah yeah, I don't like that either. In in, in talking about with water, you know what scares Taylor Swift, the singer? No. Sea well, urchins. Sea urchins. Really. They scare her to death. Hmm. But there's a good cure for that. Stay out of the ocean. talking about today is the 1975 big blockbuster classic Jaws. No, I was doing the trumpet. You were supposed to continue doing the... Are we doing it right? I don't know. No, it just sounds a bit like that. I think John Williams rips off a lot of his stuff, but anyway, let's... um. Well, a lot of his music just sounds the same anyway, to be honest. Apart from that, he rips off himself. You know what he did? He did a wonderful theme for um, Steven Spielberg's Steven Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg is the porn director. Really? Uh, no, I made it. Up. Oh right, okay, that'd be brilliant. Um, because it doesn't even have a porny thing. It's just like, yes, it sounds a bit like. No, I haven't changed my name. Otherwise, I'd call myself like Steven Filmer of Cox. He Steven Filmer of Cox. Oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah, I um. Wow, what a film. Where, where, do we, where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, let's start with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So as I was saying, he did... John Williams had written that great film for... Great score for his first film, The Sugarland Express, mm. which you've not seen. I have not seen it. The Gold, very good. Mormon, Goldie Hawn. Yeah, very, very good. And yeah. Ben Johnson's in it. Ben yeah, Johnson's yeah. wonderful. Very good film. Lovely, um, you know, road movie. It's funny, it's sweet. It's very sad, actually, as well. I think it came before Jewel... Or Jewel came before one of the, but um, I think Jewel came afterwards. Yeah, but that's think, very good. I and mean, then, I wouldn't. I don't know if that's more of a TV film than it is a. 
Yeah, I think that was a TV. It movie. was made. It was yeah. made for cinema. But so it, maybe that was before, it, Sugarland Express is a cinematic release. So maybe Jewel did come before. I mean, we really could look this up, but we. It's quite. I think it's quite late. We're quite lazy. Anyway, yeah, yeah. moving on. Uh, um, yeah. So, but what he was the point that I was trying to make was, he is asked to make Jaws, and uh, he's not done a lot. He's done Jewel and the Sugarland Express, and yeah, he's tackled with like a quite a large. It's quite a big film, quite a big project. And, I mean, if you look uh, at like a lot of the films that have been made beforehand, like that, they like the Moby Dick film, with Gregory Peck. That's kind of like nothing compared to this movie at all. It's just that's just like a huge model going all over the place. Uh, right? Um, have you well, seen I, that? I mean, no, I've seen like a. I, I saw like a, I've, I haven't seen the movie. I've, I, um, uh, John Huston directed that. John so that's Huston. supposed to be some wonderful moments. John, John, yeah, I, I think you know. Well, to be fair, actually, there's a relatable thing to him, to it because a scene in the film was going to introduce uh, Robert Shaw's character, Quint. He's supposed to be the, the scene that introduces him, not the. Oh, the nails scene. of the yeah, they, the, yeah. Originally, they had a scene written where he's in a cinema all the way in the back, and they're showing Moby Dick, and he's laughing really loudly, like kicking everyone out of the room, like smoking his like cigar and stuff, kind of like the Cape Fear scene. And anything he's laughing at all the special effects of it, and they couldn't get the rights to show Moby Dick because Gregory Peck like owned them, and Steven Spielberg tried to get them off. Get the rights, but but let you watch this film. I do not approve. That's a terrible Gregory Peck. Actually, actually, Gregory Peck doesn't approve the film. I think he he doesn't approve of his performance in the film because he doesn't find it it's his best or he wasn't happy with it. I didn't capture the. Oh, it just sound like a. I can't. Do, I'll work on my Gregory. He wasn't Peck good as Kath Mayhem. But then again, I think I think one of the original things with Quinn's death was supposed he was supposed to have this kind of. Captain Ahab sinking. Well, it's obviously it's, it's very obvious the parallel. I think. But yeah, but he, was, he wasn't. Scene but he wasn't. But he wasn't. The... But he wasn't supposed to die in the way that he does in the movie. He dies by you know with a shark falling in the corpse of the shark falling into the ocean with Quint attached to it. Like, I think like, that would have been better. Yeah, maybe. I saw. A, I think I saw a storyboard or something for that one. It's an amazing image. The problem is, well, because in the book he's killed by a harpoon. Who? The shark. Really? Well, I think from what I've gathered from... I haven't read the book. I've only, like... I quite like to read the book. But it sounds like there's a classic, sort of trashy, funny read. Well, yeah, I think it. Steven Spielberg, he said he didn't like... Well, he liked... He was rooting for the shark in the movie more than the characters because he found the characters unlikable. And um, Peter... I think, well, I mean, what's his face? Uh, no. Richard Dreyfus. Richard I mean, Dreyfus. Yeah, he's a hey guys, you know. Like, hello. Yeah, he's such a whiny little. Like, it's a tiger shark. You mean you Everyone, the the person you're really rooting for in that film is Quint. I mean, Quint. Yeah. Oh, what? Y'all know me. You know how I make a living. Y'all know me. Still the same old G, but a bit low key. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that fish. Swallow your hole. The tail. The whole damn thing. <laughs> Robert Shaw yeah, well, is one uh, of my all-time yeah. favorite actors. He's just—he's so good, and he was so didn't give a shit about cinema. So he's done so—he did so much crap. Spent his entire life. I'm the pretty sure he spent his crap. entire life drunk. Um, well, he was drunk. But, well, actually, he was drunk I mean, quite a bit on this set. Like uh, you can tell. Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, in the scene that will—I think they were like the the famous Indianapolis scene. He was yeah. supposed. To, he did want to kind of play that scene drunk. But I love that a method acting like, no you're not you're just an alcoholic yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's truth there and stuff no but he actually no fucking truth but, it, but there was a lot boobs. of but like Roy Scheider did say that he was 
sober, he was the nicest person that he ever met. But when he was drunk off his ass, he said he was like a competitive son of a bitch. I, th- I think he had a lot of issues. I mean, I, I, yeah. I know that... Well, during the film, he had problems with the IRS, so he didn't make any money off this movie at all. I suppose it's a bit like Brando in The Godfather. I mean, yeah, he, he's just... Uh, he was such a such a marvellous actor, and it's a shame he didn't do more great performances. I mean, as you say, The Sting is... The Sting's not... For me, it's not a, a great film. I think it's actually a rather disappointing follow-up to... Um, Butch Cassidy. To Butch Cassidy, which is so good. But, mm. um, you know, he, he's, he's in... One of my sort of all time, not it's not even a guilty pleasure, but it's obviously not a great film, but it's just ridiculously entertaining, and that's it's Force, fun. Force Ten from Navarro. Really, really, yeah. really fun movie, um, wonderful cast, Harrison Ford, you know, yeah, and um, and that no, that's fantastic. What else is it? Custer of the West, that's pretty crap. You think it would turn into a bird? Yeah, um, yes. There's action. Yeah, the it's, yeah, there's it's a lot not, of accuracy. That's a really not a, well inaccuracy. That's the first problem they have. Jeffrey Hunter's in there. He plays the Captain Benteen from the Searchers. Who plays Martin? Yes, yeah, that's right. And was he also, that was one of his last films? Because he died quite young. Yeah, he died. He had a stroke on a in the mid, in mid flight on a plane. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I didn't realise it was that. Oh, God. Yeah, he was quite. Young. Now I hate flying even more. Yeah, I don't know. I think you. I don't know. He was quite. I think he was quite young I mean yeah he didn't he was he was in his 40s I think yeah or his late 40s early 50s kind of very very sad but um yeah that movie the the the, I mean learning like learning about that film is more like the whole making of the film is much more well a little bit more interesting than the actual film itself because it was such a problematic well it's experience getting the film made it's very interesting because as I say you know they hire this young promising but still sort of untested director well most of the people in that period were untested i mean i mean reading um did you have you read peter biskin's uh, easy rider raging bulls no i haven't but i'd love to you you'd like that it's basically just a film about like untested individuals who love cinema and want to do art and not really caring what the studio kind of puts in their way and it's kind of like the it's before producers have, have kind of had such a kind of hold on their like what the directors actually do and you know well they did have before well yeah they did but I think this one they kind of you know with the fact that you know you had success like Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde warned Betty he beat he, he tried really hard to get that film financed and he actually did say at one point I'm gonna get down on my knees and suck your dick if you don't give me money and then Really? That actually worked. He didn't suck his dick, but then they thought, okay, this guy's good. Don't know that. Nah, well, I don't, well, there's a lot that happens that <laughs> and, and then, but anyway. And, um, um, and also, it was, it was interesting, with those, all these directors, they, they made a lot of money, they were popular with critics and audiences, and they sort of said, what, have you, what are you going to do next? Oh, I got this movie. We'll go do it. We'll, we'll leave you alone doing it. But then I was... Yeah, but, I mean, but then, every time then, if they won an award or they made a lot of money, they would have, like, at least two successes, and then after that, any film they did after that would be just not liked by the audiences or critics would not understand them at all and they would make no money and then they would just fall into the abyss basically. Or they'd make 1941 which is supposedly one of the worst films of all time. Um, uh, I, they, they, are, they are interesting because the three films of this period that really, as you say, set that pattern. One of the things, I don't, I don't agree that this was a period sort of completely free from studio interference but there was a sort of there directors was a sort of directors had of, a bit more creative control of what they really Yeah, really but they thought, they fought for it. You know, yeah. they, and, and they... They really did have to because the thing was on the you know the Godfather for example was another similar situation. You have a young, relatively untested director in, in Francis Ford Coppola doing a film uh, that's quite that's going to be quite big that the studio are investing a lot in, and he is from the beginning able to insist on having Al Pacino, and he's um, 
and having Marlon Brando, which was a big gamble as well. Because he was a bit of a... Because he was well. a complete fucking lunatic. And, um, and the studio were just hovering around the whole time. They had people on set, like, watching Pacino to see what the hell was this guy supposed to be doing. And then they were toying with the idea of firing Francis Ford Coppola. Similarly on Jaws, I think that they were seriously contemplating firing Spielberg because they went so far over budget. And they were under schedule as well. And then, obviously, the third film that I think fits this pattern is, is Star Wars. Yeah. Where George, George Lucas, later. yeah, so yeah, exactly, and and each film made more money than the last. They were the sort of the yeah. original three blockbusters. Star Wars was huge, and obviously, as you say, after that, these guys could do no wrong. They were mm. they were bankable. They were money, money makers. But they did have to. I think they really had to fight for that. Yeah, I know they did. Yeah. And, and and they all made serious stipulations. You know, when The Godfather was so successful, they said, "Oh, you got to make another one." He said, "Okay, I will, but I'm going to go make the conversation first. And as you say, no one. You know, that's a film that. I don't think they necessarily people, do I, that well. I don't yeah. really think. But, I mean, it, so, but it does like, feature one of Gene Hackman's best performances of all time and actually features a very creepy Harrison Ford, actually. What, in the conversation? Yeah. I didn't realise Harrison he's, Ford was he's, 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 he's quite creepy in that movie. Oh, cool. Oh, I, I, need to, I really need to see that. That's, that's yeah. very much on, on my list. I might bring it back after I've seen it again. I remember watching it. Um, uh, I think I was... I was fourteen at the time when I watched it. I was a bit young. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I, it was slow for me at the time, but I think if I watched it again, I would enjoy it. But it's interesting reading that book and just seeing this whole interesting period of how you know they were making all these good movies: Godfather, Chinatown, everything. It was it, Star Wars. Well, and Easy Rider. Was Easy sort of Rider was the one that kind of started that, yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's often quite sad with some of these directors like Hal Ashby. You know, he kind of just fell into nothingness, and he's one of the best directors who you know made Harold and Maude, Coming Home, uh, The Last Detail, and yeah. films like that. Being there with Peter Sellers, and he was such a great director, and he kind of just fell into. Well, sometimes you get these directors who exist who sort of burn bright for a short period and then fade away, a bit like Preston Sturges in the... I mean, William Friedkin had that as well. The guy directed the the French Connection to the Exorcist. He had, like, a period in the 70s and in the bit of the 80s where he was just making a lot of great movies. You know, French Connection, he won Best Director. That's a great film. Exorcist, he... That was one of the highest-grossing horror films of all time at the time. And, And it actually was... It's the only... I think it's equal before Science of the Lambs. It was the only horror film nominated for a lot of Oscars and uh, so if you kind of just look at that whole period and then you get to like the early 80s and Michael Cimino did Heaven's Gate and fucked it up for everybody yeah that was sort of that. he, he really as you say that was in the nail in the, the coffin that, that, that was in the nail in the coffin I think well because because he's so that's a that's a really good uh, you know a good example of where this this stuff can go too far because he he really I have, and admittedly, I haven't seen the film, but he really was. I'd like to see the movie. Completely nuts making that film. They spent so much money on just kind. He was retakes and horses died. Horses and all this nonsense, you know. And it was you know difficult locations. I mean, and then there was you know they were shooting in Montana. seventeen hours long. And, yeah, you know, I mean, completely bonkers when you read. So, I read I read a book recently, a wonderful book called The Whole Equation. By um by David Thompson, who's a really good writer, and it talks mm. a lot, obviously, about the business side of, uh, it's a history of Hollywood, and yeah. it very much kind of focuses on the business side of things. It goes right back to Thalberg and Mayer and all those guys in the thirties and, and well and before, mm. um and you know really is constantly just saying follow the money. But if you follow the money, uh, that's a lot for all the presidents, man. <laughs> yes, well, if you follow the money in uh, in uh, in uh, in Jaws, it. Uh, brings you to an awful lot of problems on a film that you know 
probably was always going to cause some issues because they had to get around the special effects issue. They were working on open water. Weather um, was changing. They were shooting yeah. on location in Martha's Vineyard. The water was ridiculously cold. They were working with locals and they had, they paid them $64 just to be scared and everything. And well, also, they actually just like pulled people off the street. It was like, yeah. Be and also, stuff. like, um, uh, Robert Shaw, he was having problems with the IRS. So anytime that he was like on set, he'd have to go back to Canada when he wasn't on break so that he wasn't, you know, in trouble or anything. And literally fleeing across the border. Yeah, basically. And also, well, the most important thing that the that they went into troubles with was their, their the star of the film, the shark, didn't fucking work most Bruce. of the time. Bruce. Which is a lovely reference in Finding Nemo. Hello. Yeah. Name's Bruce. I never knew my father. He's just that's that's uh, Barry. That's that's Barry Humphreys, isn't he? Who voices him. Yeah, Dave Medner. I think Eric, Eric Banner voices one of the other shows. Yeah. Oh, that is. Uh, can we talk about Finding Nemo? Yeah. <laughs> that's a wonderful. I film. love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, they the shark proved very difficult. Well, it just, like, it just broke all of a sudden. Well, it? yeah. I mean, the first thing that they did. It is shit. I mean, when you see it, do you remember? It looks, we, still looks fake. When we were children, we went to Universal Studios. Remember? Yeah. And they have the actual Bruce. Jump out of the water going yeah, on the in, tour. in this little weird like pond basically yeah and so basically people who've never been to Universal Studios there is like a tour train ride thing that takes you through the studio going through all these little things and you have like you go through one set and there's stuff going happening and then you see King Kong like pulling the rails and stuff and then you get to this one area where it's basically made to look like Amity Island and the it shark, doesn't. And the shark just kind of pops out of the water as you're going by, and I just remember looking at it going, still looks fake. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that bit in, in Back in, to the Future. Back to the, yeah, exactly. It, it does. Sorry, still looks it, fake. It looks totally crap. Um, yeah. I do, like, when they... The best the best shots of it are... Um, from... Or when it's coming out of the... the I think the, the, scare, darkness, the single yeah. scariest moment... Where you see the shark, because all the best, the most scary moments of the films are when you, the film is when you don't see it. Yeah. The scariest moment Which for me when you see it is when it's appearing out of the gloom, and that's yeah, because that's in a lot creepy. of those in a lot of those sequences they'd um, used filmed, real footage. Yeah, they used footage of a real shark, and they got this great footage of a great white like tearing up a shark cage. Yeah, and it got they, it got um, stuck on top of the shark cage with yeah. somebody actually in it and they used that for the film. Yeah, I think that's good. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Really good footage. And as soon as you get it and you know, the bit where it comes out of the water where he's throwing the chum and it just sort of pokes its head up and uh, and you get the you know, you're going to need a bigger boat line. Yeah. Um it, it it looks just terrible. It it's just this kind of weird papier mâché mm. head just appears out of the sea. But that's kind of now when you watch it. That's part of the charm of the mm. of the whole picture. Um, I think the first time you see it and you are scared. That's when the fear starts to go away a little bit. Uh, although I still maintain it's fundamentally a very exciting, a very exciting situation uh, that they find themselves in on, the, on the Orca at the end yeah. you know it's, it, it, it turns into this kind of men, they, on, it, men it, on a mission you, kind of you don't feel when they go out you don't really feel a sense of threat you're like well these three guys they're going fishing walk you know they've got to be careful but They've probably got guns and stuff, right? They got a lot and of stuff. And then you realise, like... I mean, Hooper's got something that can... Ten minutes, go, yeah. and it just wrecks the boat. It totally... And you're like, fuck, they, they are going to die. And uh, yeah. and I, I think that's... Watching it now, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. it's all going to be fine. Um, but uh, I think the first time I watched it, I was 
very concerned. Yeah, first, um, time, first time I watched it, I think. Well, first time you watched it, I remember uh, I you were you were not room. very you were not very old at all, and you kept. I think uh, I was six finding, or seven. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But that's traumatizing, nice and early. But yeah, you kept yeah. finding excuses to to go out of the room, which was very cute. Yeah, yeah. no, I and think you kept I, you kept not. It wasn't because you were scared; you just needed something. You kept being like, "Oh, I just, I just need to," you know. I'm just gonna, I'm, yeah, be back and. Like, don't don't pause it. Don't pause it. <laughs> I, I still think the shark, the shark's POV from under the sea when it's going up to get the girl when she's bathing naked in the beginning of the movie. It's just that's the most terrifying shot in the thing. It's just that, it, your fear of deep water, not knowing what the fuck's underneath you. Well, that's the. I mean, I would never. Yeah, she's. You'd have to get me so drunk to be like. But that's Swimming like in a, the sea is a good idea. No, in the middle of the night. No, that's um, like a. But that's but that's, a, that's, that's a, a, a very. You see that sequence just. Oh, we he sets it up, and then you have this. Uh, you know, you have the the cop, Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider, yeah. yeah, Chief Brody, exactly. Who uh, originally Chief Adrian Brody? Originally, someone like uh, Charlton Heston they actually played the role. Really? Yeah, I think they went. I think Steven Spielberg didn't want a lot of stars in the movie. I mean, they looked at, like, Lee Marvin for Quint. Oh, that would have been great. Though. Yeah, but he said he wanted to... He said he wanted to really just go fishing. And they nearly got Sterling Hayden as Quint as well. That also would have been amazing. But he was having, also having problems with the IRS, so they got Robert Shaw instead. That is all three of those inventors. I'm glad Robert Shaw... And Robert Shaw will always be Quint. It yeah. is his iconic performance, but... I'm kind. I I would have loved to see. I'd love to just see a screen test as Sterling Hayden be like, you know, hey, I was on the Indian Apples. Fucking, I'm so drunk. He's also <laughs> yeah. a famous drunk actor as well. Yeah. Yep, and a uh, and famous adventure. He had a very interesting life, but we should talk about him another yeah. time. But Roy Scheider. Why don't we Why don't we do an episode on a Sterling Hayden film? Right? Ah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Kubrick's The Killing? Yes, I have seen Now nah, we could talk about that. Too. I've also seen The Asphalt Jungle, which is quite oh, similar to The Killing. That's really good. Yeah, I always get them confused in my head. I love the asphalt jungle. And he's also in uh, Doctor Strange Love as well. He plays. Yo, I know. I, I, Kill, I know. No, that's George Scott. Kill George Scott. Um, where Back were we? to Jaws. Quint. Casting. We're talking casting, about casting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Roy Scheider's really. I think he's really good. I think he's a lovely actor. Um, he's excellent in in practically everything I've ever seen him in. Hmm. Um, I, I really want to see. Is it all that jazz? Yeah, Bob Fosse. Yeah. yeah, I want to see that one. That's but um, Richard Richard Dreyfus is a problem for me. He really? in everything he's in, he chews the scenery. He will not stop, you know, being annoying. Um, but he is in some ways he's perfect for that part because he is like well, that is that Mister Annoying yeah. Science Guy who shows up. But um, he's the annoying science guy that everyone needs to listen to. Well, yeah, of right, course. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's what that makes him even more annoying and yeah. everything. Because what I like is really I like Quint's philosophy, which is just like as you say, the shark will swallow you whole, and you're just like, mm-hmm. although it never actually does swallow anyone whole, and as Quint finds out, uh, you know, it likes to chew, chew, on, chew on you a little bit yeah. first. Um, no sharks ever swallowed anyone they been whole. Um, but his point is there. It's like we're dealing with a real fucker of a shark, and the only way, yeah. basically, we need to go out into the sea, get a little bit drunk, and and go fishing. 
basically, uh, yeah. Or just so, uh, stab him with a piece of poison. And it's, it's a, that's the thing. That's not as fun. Mm. This guy Tony, I'd be like, well, actually, what we can do is we can go on the He's like, no, let's get drunk and shoot cannons into the water. That's way good. Yeah. Way more fun. So, um, but so I do have a bit of a problem with Dreyfus as a, I mean, as an actor in general, I think he's he's completely irritating. Um, for he? example, in um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Close Encounters, he's just like, would you shut up? I mean, he is again. He's annoyingly good for these parts. He's uh, the one I tell you. The one that sticks in my craw that's just unforgivable is he plays Babyface Nelson in Dillinger, uh, uh, the, um, yeah. the 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 Warren Oates uh, movie. Uh, which is really good. More people should see that film, and I think we're like two of the only people on the planet who have. But um, that's I think he's, I he's so that, yeah. irritating in that film, um, and mercifully he's not in it for very long. Um, he does show up like towards like three quarters of the way into the movie when they're doing one robbery, and then he gets killed or something. Yeah, yeah, he's he's around. He has an argument, and then yeah, it all it yeah. ends. Um, Basically, Dillinger is like the better version of Public Enemies. That uh, that Land wonderful film. actor, just uh, what was his name? Jeffrey Lewis. Jeffrey Lewis, uh, um, just uh, who just died. He's in that. He's rather good. In it. Yeah, he's really good. He's and great um, character actor. Well, a really, really great character actor. Yeah, that's got a, a, a kind of great. Well, we're not talking about Dillinger. We're talking about Jaws. Jaws yeah. Um, <laughs> we're so good at wandering onto tangents. Yeah. We go off on tangents. It should well. be. It should just be the selling point. We should just rename the podcast Tangents. Who knows where it'll go? Yeah. Hello, I'm Andrew Holmes. I'm an aspiring blah 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 blah. Uh, what are we talking about today? Did you know we'll that Taylor Swift don't like sea urchins? Yeah, exactly. Well, I well random facts about Taylor Swift again. <laughs> I tell you what, if we called the podcast something, 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 Taylor Swift, three million listeners every time, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah, that. Put yeah. a cat up. Just call it, it. Just call it serial starring Taylor Twist. Taylor Twist? Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, again, another, say, no, again. So, so, again, so another, again, another porn name as well. I'm so, Taylor Twist. <laughs> that sounds like a, yeah. actually, it doesn't sound important. It sounds like a cocktail. Ah, Taylor Twist. Yeah. Do you like a Taylor Twist? Sounds like a cocktail from, like, the tackiest kind of Vegas. Yeah, Liz Taylor. It's called Taylor Twist because Liz Taylor stayed here in 1973. <laughs> Jaws. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, really, well... What uh, what else is good? So the music we've talked about that sort of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Underwater shots is amazing. Like so, it just really builds up tension. The fact you don't see the shark a lot of the time creates more like tension. Well, exactly, and that's because it, yeah. and, the, and that's because obviously the shark didn't work. And I think they, that, a lot, that a lot, worked, a lot of, and, and you advantage. have to remember that that yeah that that was because of a practical reason that they yes. didn't you know they couldn't show it, but it ended up being yeah. uh, the single greatest thing about the film because the wonderful thing about this film is it's all in some ways uh, Spielberg doing Hitchcock yeah uh, you know explicitly in that shot on the beach uh, of it's a reaction shot of Roy Scheider's yeah the, when he sees the, the Charles and it's the zooming it, in and as, it's, the it's, as the camera tracks out and zooms in and say but that was a shot Vertigo lifted shot. directly exactly from Vertigo and, uh, and there's just a ton of stuff going on that's Hitchcock based um, and Hitchcock himself um realised this and um, I think he was a bit sniffy about the film I think that he sort of perhaps even thought that they'd come in on his patch a little bit um, sure you know these, these kids uh, I remember hearing once they referred to it as that fish movie which I think is you know quite that's quite a it's, 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 it's definitely though, yeah. um, but he, I think he was he, he'd lost the plot a bit by that point um, well I think by that point he was kind of he had done 
I think seventy. I don't. I can't remember when Family Plot happened. I think it was sort of towards the end. of I the I think 70s. it was the end of the. I think it might be seventy nine. I've seen Family Plot. I don't, I'm not a big fan of it. It's quite. It ends very anticlimactically, and anticlimactically, and it's. I don't know the woman, which was, is ridiculous because Hitchcock. Yeah, because he was the he was, king of the. He climax, was, he was kind yeah. of just building up. Speaking of porn names, he was building up. <laughs> very funny. Uh, he was building up to like this this, col- this collaborate. No, no, it was was. What's the word? Fight with like Bruce Stern and fight. I'm trying to It's the one certain thought you were like, dude, what is he scrabbling for there? I don't know. It's just like the two couples in the film. Like you, you think they're gonna end up in like some huge brawl or whatever at the end because like they have Bruce Stern's wife. He goes to save her, and then they lock them both in the room where they lock all their like kidnapped victims. And I was just kind of like, that was fuck. That's fucking cheating. These guys are morons. They don't. They couldn't morons. have done that. Well, the woman is a moron in the film, and she fucking annoying as well the woman who pretends that she's a psychic and she's like bringing Bruce Stern for a ride in this whole thing and he's just like if I was him I would have been like shut up <laughs> so now we've now we've turned it into the family plot podcast yeah Hitchcock Hitchcock hadn't really when was Hitchcock's last good film it might even be Psycho because what he makes the birds after that, he makes Marnie, Marnie which Marnie is supposed to be really good. I've not seen it. But his whole tumultuous relationship with Tippi Hendren kind of got in the way of those. Yeah, two films. he was. He apparently he was really quite creepy with her. Yeah, um, obsessive to the max, pretty much. Yeah, just a little bit rapey as well. Apparently, like a little bit sort of handsy. Um, yeah. So so, but we don't know for sure. Allegedly, 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 a little bit handsy. It's like the whole thing with Bill Cosby. We don't know what happened. Uh, no, um, uh, yeah. Oh, Bill Cosby. Anyway, um, yeah. Did he make it? Topaz is supposed to be awful. Topaz with uh, what's his face, Paul Newman, right? No, that's Tom Curtin. Oh, Tom Curtin, which is also supposed to be terrible. Uh, Topaz is the one where he's like in a wheelchair in an airport, and he gets up and shakes the guy's hand and walks off, like one of his famous cameos. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, Topaz is like oh, a Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. Topaz is a. It's like a. Is it kind of like a seventies political thriller, like a conspiracy? Who gives thing? a fuck? It's not supposed to be very good. And nor is um, uh, well, Frenzy. I, I don't know. I've heard. Frenzy's I've heard good. different. Frenzy's good. Oh, and so that maybe that's his. He went back to London to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's so we could yeah. say that's his. But anyway, Hitchcock is something. Is you know he's still working. He's a force that people are aware of in nineteen seventy five. Mm. But he's also someone who's a little bit, you know, artistically off the boil. Um, and then Spielberg shows up and does a great Hitchcock film. Mm. A bit like Stanley Donnan's Charade, or Charade, as it's pronounced. And, mm. uh, uh, he, there was Honestly, an interview, with, really once they, there was an interview with Stanley Donnan once about that, actually, where they said, uh, you, know, you know, this is nonsensical pronunciation of... Um, Charade, it's pronounced charade, and he goes, Well, I don't say I would like a glass of lemonade. <laughs> um, so, um, it, it's still, I mean, uh, Americans, oh, Americans should, should learn to speak properly. Um, and you know, and aluminum, look, well, aluminum, interestingly enough, more random trivia. Uh, the guy who discovered aluminium originally wanted to call it aluminum. But the scientific community at the time were like, no, 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 we're using the eums on our elements. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah. How the fuck did we talk about movies and get onto a fucking science topic? Uh, good question. Well, we, it, no, 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 I can't think of it. Um, so, yeah, he... It, so, it's, 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 a, it's basically not, Jaws, Hitchcock film. I wouldn't call it an imitation. I'd just say it's more, like, inspired, I guess. 
I'd, I'd say more than that. I think it, it's it's directly using that language. Mm. But it, it is also very Spielberg. Obviously, it has the John Williams. It has all these moments of uh, uh, tenderness, uh, which he likes, with the, especially with, with the, the, the family, kids. Yeah. You know? And he likes to have... Um, but he always puts, like, family things in his movies all the time. Yeah, he likes to show these scenes of, you know, people arguing or, or, or people feeling stress, people taking the plot of the film home, you know. That's what he does so well in E.T., you know, showing yeah. how it, it affects the family. So he gets such great performances out of child, uh, you know, children. And, mm. um, so I, I think, yeah. But I, I think... He, he definitely put... Of course he, he did a own, great job. He puts his own yeah. stamp on it. Um but I think what what he does really well in with the scares in this movie, especially with the head popping out of the boat. Oh that, God, that's brilliant! That was that's still even though I know it's coming now, I still jump out of. The seat. I still jump out of the seat as well. But it's also because he put that in as a way because he needed one big scare because he knew after that the audience were going to be entirely on guard throughout the entire movie. So yeah, waiting like, for waiting for the shark to pop up. Especially because yeah, there's that bit where it comes through the window of the boat as it's yeah. sinking as well, which is quite which was uh, quite hard because like the boat like sank quite uncontrollably and everyone was like save the actors and one guy was fuck the actor save the sound <laughs> that that is a really really cool there and th- th- as i say it is a scary film it's a very uh, scary film but i think yeah it's not a, but it actually has probably one of like my favorite moments is that drinking scene where they compare scars with hooper and quint oh yeah well i mean that's speaking of great speaking of great moments yeah well that's not that that what's interesting about that scene is it it's so well written although Robert Shaw actually rewrote his speech. Yeah, there, there's, there's not there's a lot of people who who feel like they take credit for writing that. I think Robert Shaw was one of the people who rewrote it. I think Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb they wrote versions of it that, that became me- meshed together. Mm. But I don't know. Didn't you wait? Wasn't there someone that you? I can't remember if you said this or not. But I might have just made this up. But did, wasn't there? Was there someone that you said? actually was the one who wrote the Indianapolis speech. No. Okay, I just made it up. Yeah, right, no, no, I don't know anything. I don't, I no, don't know no, anything. no, no, no. It's good. I remember because <laughs> Indianapolis speech, he talks about the Hiroshima bomb. Well, the the boat, the Indianapolis, it was yeah. a true story. There was, there was a boat called the USS Indianapolis which delivered the atomic bomb to the island. I can't remember which island it was. Um, you know, one of the islands they had yeah. taken uh, in the Pacific. That and as they were on their way picked back. Picked up by, and then on the way back they were torpedoed. They did get, and, and, it turned into this feeding frenzy for sharks. Yeah, uh, it was a terrible feature of the war in the Pacific. These, if a plane went down or if um, you know a ship was sunk, the distances were so enormous. Yeah. Well, there's the famous uh, PT one hundred and nine story, obviously, as well with John F. Kennedy, who was. Uh, what was with that? He was on. A, he was captain of a PT boat that was also sunk, and he, uh, they, it was something that was where he his back problems. Largely oh, began, yeah, I think. Wait, did he, uh, was there he, a shark they, involved in that? Not really, no. So it's completely irrelevant. Did the shark, did the shark this, sink the PT boat? <laughs> it's completely irrelevant to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, so anyway, scrap that. But uh, but uh, but Jaws itself. That's a that's a fantastic that's a fantastic scene though. Yeah. That, because it moves from it starts you know kind of funnily with Quint and, and bloody Richard Dreyfus. But then he's just like, "What's that in your arm? Oh, no, that one. Uh, some tattoo I had. I I got it. I got it." Mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Johnny! Yeah, exactly. It's like, be quiet! <laughs> no, but Let like, Quint talk. But it's but I like the way how, he, you know, he never cuts away to any other's reaction. He just stays on Robert Shaw that whole time. 
Yeah, but it's just it's a, such a really good moment. It's yeah. one of those bits of you know the yeah. Quint speech. One must never overdo it too much. But, but yeah. I do think it's and what, it's talking it's, about scares, it, talking about scares. Mm. It's it's actually quite frightening to listen to. Um, and you imagine and also seeing the that wonder, yeah, well. exactly. That's of course the 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 way he tells it is is. Uh, Pretty, um, but it actually he, he's telling a story about the whole thing but he's actually telling a story about himself and that he's never going to go down with a life you know lifeboat or anything or he's not like he's not going to put he's not going to go in the water yeah, with he's, a life he's, this is a mission that's his Ahab man, yeah. isn't it because he's like I'm in this to the bitter end mm. um, you know it's, it's kill or be killed kind of thing yeah um, well, there. So maybe um, I so think that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't really know. Sort of concludes, George. The whale I think, sharks. I, think it's, fucking, it's I basically. What have we learned on this podcast? You and I know a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. One of those things has been George. Um, I just think, do maybe just to conclude, you know, I I I think it's one of those films that comes pretty close to being just perfect now because it's it's like when you sit down and watch Jaws, it's mm. one of the kind of 20 films that I can really watch any time, you know, that yeah. film saying, you know, you can just put it on, it's like the Dirty Dozen or something, it's become that in my brain. I know that this isn't the best film ever made. Um, you wouldn't call it the best film ever made? Of course I wouldn't. It's it's not a great film in that sense. It's it's well made, obviously, but it's not a, it's a really great Sunday afternoon movie. That's what it is. It's the ultimate, it's the, and it is the first of, you know, it spawned unfortunately so much shite, but it is the first big summer blockbuster, obviously. And they're never made a lot. They're never gonna make sort of cinema history. Exactly. These they, these films are designed purely to entertain. And when they're good, they're very good and they are very entertaining. But Jaws has that kind of iconicness to it. It has the music, it has the scares, it has the yeah. acting. Oh, yeah. The writing oh, is good as well, even though it's a little bit flawed because you know Peter Benchley got his screenplay. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, it doesn't have all those things, and it. But it is. It's. It's comfortingly iconic. I think, and it's comfortingly. The thing is, people familiar when you sit film. and watch it, and you're like, "Oh, I remember this scene." I like, you know, that's the kind yeah. of effect it has. It's not a. It's not a film. I sit down and go, "Ooh, this is a really interesting artistic choice." It's not that I ever do that because I'm not a twat, but. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, mean just we, what a what a it's like it's like an old friend. Anyway, yeah. that's my my view on Jaws. Lovely film, could watch it any time. Yeah, I say lovely film. That's a bit. It's a great. It's a lovely yeah, film. It's a lovely movie. Crispy, creamy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good old roller coaster ride. Well, I think we're on to... I guess we're on to recommendations now? Oh, yeah, yeah. You go first. Uh, recommendations, recommendations. Uh, I, I guess because we're still being in the sort of 70s movie brats uh, era. Well, New Hollywood, but they were called movie brats. I'm going to recommend uh, one of my... Uh, one from one of my favourite directors, uh, Hal Ashby. I'm going to recommend Coming Home with John Voight and Jane Fonda. Oh, yeah. And I... my favourite actor, Bruce Dern. Oh, I'd love to see it. It's a great movie. You have it. <laughs> I have it at home. Yeah, yeah, you left it with me. I tell you, what, I'll watch it. Yeah, that. when you go when you go home uh, tomorrow or later or whatever, whenever you're going home, you can watch it. Yeah, no, I will. I will. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll check it out. I re- it's interesting because it's um, it's sort of the. It's it's similar to the Deer Hunter in terms of its theme, and it, and it didn't the effects uh, of the become, Vietnam War. Yeah, exactly, and it's sort of lost. Uh, 
because the deer hunter kind of has it covered and is so famous as such a sacred cow. So yeah, yeah I would really, really like to see that. My one is um, is actually a Danish film that you might not have seen. It's called Vilstenskorben. Uh, it means that means the the white stone, which is the name of the place, the group. It's about a resistance. Um, some people in Danish new, resistance. New film, it, it came out a few years ago. It's incredibly good. Uh, yeah. It's um, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> Excellent podcast material here. Lots of coughing. Um, yeah, no, really, really exciting. Uh, very well acted. True story. Check it out. Anyway, uh, on to uh, birthdays. Oh, yes. Let's see whose birthday it is. Uh, birthday uh, boy today is James McAvoy, who is 36. James McAvoy. He's 36 today. 36 already. He's winning at the moment. Winning. He's in the X-Men franchise. He's doing fucking great. Oh, don't use winning in that term. That bloody he's hashtag. G- he, he, he's like, he was one of the main high points. Of no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't give a shit about X-Men. Don't use bloody X-Men winning. X-Men days of future You're past. You're not Charlie Sheen. Can I? It, it, winning. Yeah. Never do that again. I am, I am a drug. It's called Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But, uh, Tiger Blood. No, no, no. Like, he was great in filth, but, like, if you watch X Men, oh, I know you're not going to watch X Men Days of Future Past, but I remember watching that film. I mean, it's not a great movie. It's a pretty fun summer movie, like Jaws, but his performance in that movie is incredible. I was very much blown away by it for a comic book film. I was like, wow, he's, I, like, I mean, apart from the fact that it is an X Men film and they combine all the old, like, two casts from the original films and also the prequels, so you have. Patrick Stewart, who played Professor X in the in the uh, first two, well, first three, and then you have James McAvoy sharing a scene together. It's just kind of like nerds, just kind of like on the screen and stuff. That's disgusting. Sorry, and incredibly boring. <laughs> I have no interest. In it. Although that does remind me of that. I was watching um, some telly recently. I saw this American comedian whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember. Um, but he did this wonderful bit about X Men. He was talking about there's one of them who can like adapt to any situation. So if like he sticks his head in water, he Grows gills. Oh something. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's called Darwin. He's called Darwin. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, Darwin. yeah. Anyway, but and he was going. Well, you know, this guy was like, well, if he can adapt to any like, if you know, to match his environment perfectly, why the hell is he black in nineteen sixty nine? It's like you wouldn't need to grow bulletproof, <laughs> bulletproof skin. <laughs> uh, oh my god, that's funny. I thought that was quite. Oh. I thought that was quite amusing. Uh, anyway, uh, so who else? Who else's birthday? Happy birthday, James. Uh, Toby Stevens, who played Gustav Graves in Die Another Day. Oh what that! I hate that film. <laughs> Why else has he been? Has he done anything else? Uh, he's on that uh, least memorable Bond villain of all time. Uh, what your fucking career what is the that film makes so little sense even for a Bond film and is so poor yeah it's pretty although it does have Michael Madsen in it who I love and Halle Berry in a bikini so that's yeah who gives a fuck about that this isn't Uh, this isn't the bloody 14 year olds convention Halle Berry in a bikini well he's in he's also he's doing pretty well with. I mean he's in that TV show Black Sails which is like this pirate show really there's a pirate show yeah it's a pirate show ooh um, I, I think Michael Bay produced it. Oh, God. He's an executive producer. Oh, God. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Andy McDowell has her birthday today. Don't like Andy McDowell. Okay. Anthony Quinn has his birthday today. What a great actor. Ah, oh, he's amazing. What's your favourite Anthony Quinn film? Um, I would have to say Warlock. 
You know what? I was going to say that as well. Yeah. Really good Western. Really good Western. Henry Fonda, Richard Widmark, directed by um, Eddie Dimitrik. Very good film. Really good director. Mm. Uh, Charles Grodin from Who Plays the Dad in Beethoven. Oh, and he's in... Um, he uh, turned in, up in While We're Young. Uh, he plays um, yeah, Naomi really Watts' really, father in that film. I really want to watch that movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah it's really nice. It's a really good film. Lo- Noah Baumbach film, right? Yeah, it didn't take... Some of, it lost a few opportunities to really explore some good, um, you know, what I thought would have been interesting storytelling avenues that it didn't go down. It, yeah. got, it turned a li- it, it was a bit too much Ben Stiller, but yeah, it, it was a solid film, but well worth seeing. Yeah. Um, who else we got? Uh, who else we got? We missed uh, Rob Riggle, who plays in... Rob Riggle. He's... Speaking of porn names, we just can't keep doing <laughs> No, no, he's uh, he's uh, the guy in Twenty One Jump Street. He's the guy who gets his dick shot off and he tries to pick it up with his mouth though. Backup. He gets his Rod Riggle shot. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely calling mine uh, Rod Riggle from now on. Uh, Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall in Clerks, his birthday's today. Mm. You know they're doing Clerks 3. Oh, God. Leave that alone, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Of course you are. That and more rats, too. Yeah. Uh, Iggy Pop has his birthday today. Iggy Pop! Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a legend. Yeah. He's, he's uh, so... Yeah, yes. Um, he's, he's just... Uh, Oh, hero, total hero. He, you know, he goes swimming in the sea every day. That's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> things about him. Just like total survivor legend. Ah, oh, that's my favorite of the list so far. I think uh, it'll be between him and Anthony Quinn. Jim James Morrison, not the the famous singer, the actor who played uh, Bill Buchanan on Twenty Four. His birthday today as well. Oh, what? Who? Who's Bill? Wait, it's Bill Buchanan, the sort of older bloke who runs. He's the white guy, uh, white-haired guy who runs. Um, <laughs> they're all white. <laughs> Except if, if they're black, it means they die in the second episode. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much every character on. Yeah, on American TV. Yeah, yeah it's like, uh, yeah, no, he yeah he plays Bill Buchanan. Yeah. Uh, the he's also in, he's also in an episode of The West Wing. He plays the pilot on Air Force One. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Queen Elizabeth II has her birthday today as well. Or which one? Her real one or her official one? The second, who gets the second one? Well, well then, the Elizabeth II. It's an old German. Uh, Elaine May, uh, her her birthday is today as Who's well. Who's Elaine May? She is a screen. She was a screenwriter, an actress, and a screenwriter. She was. Um, you don't know. I do, do you? know who she is. <laughs> Just looking but, like, it up. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I know who she is. Elaine May. She was the one who was her and Mike Nichols were had this big comedy duo thing that went on for a really long time that's what he that's what that was his big break he started he he was in a he had at university he was a a radio uh, present he ran a student radio and that's how he got into it and that was his first gig and they did all these little comedy gigs they had a, a lot of their shows got Really, they got Tonys out of it. That's how he got the EGOT because he won a Tony for that and a Grammy because they had a CD for their concert. But they were they had a relationship for a period of time, but then they they had a falling out and they they broke up. But she actually uh, wrote as lovers oft as lovers. She as lovers um, often were. They were regarded as the two fastest humans uh, of all time, and she wrote the screenplay for Primary Colors, the John Travolta. Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also wrote the screenplay for The Birdcage, the Le Cajot Falls uh, remake. Oh, yeah. That is another episode of Holmes Movies. Uh, it, the movie that we've been talking about today is Jaws. And um, 
Uh, apologies for spoiling the movie, but then again, the movie came out in 1975. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, probably. I mean, it's not if, even if worth saying, like, it, spoiler you, yeah. alert or anything like that. It's just like... Most people would have seen it already. Yeah, but if you I haven't seen I it, I feel watch like it. I don't... I listen to some... There are other movie podcasts out there that I listen to, and um, uh, there are, you know... They're obviously much better than this one. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> Very much. And so. uh, I don't. I tend not to listen to ones about films I've not seen because um, the, it sort of would. I don't know. What, hearing all that analysis, even if they didn't give anything away, I'd. Uh, I don't I'd feel get, a bit weird I mean, going I into it knowing. I, I feel like whenever I go and watch a film, the less I know about it, the better. But that's just me. If you want to listen to this and haven't seen Jaws, be my guest. As long as you listen to it, I don't care. Frankly. Yeah, we didn't right. spoil how the shark dies though. That's true. But we'll leave that. We'll leave that for you to find out. Smile, you son of a bitch. There we go. That's a good way to end it. Uh, I have been Anders Holmes. And I have been Adam Holmes. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to us, and uh, have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.